Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Out from space. Out. Space. Out. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Perceptions and code names written by underscore underscore dash underscore 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 dash 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 underscore. I was a lowborn. To humans that didn't mean much. Humans could drag themselves up from poverty and be something. We owls weren't like that. Your birth signified your worth. And nothing was lower than a lowborn. You were tied to the plot that you were born to, unless you were traded to satisfy debts or whims of a landowner. That was how I came to the capital. I was offered as payment to the debt my lord, sent on my way with little more than an itchy, ill-fitting sackcloth gown. Sackcloth because my clothing would have put my total value above the debt to be paid. She even took my slippers. I was young and fit, having belonged to a farm, so I expected to be thrown into the kitchens when not used as physical amusement. I hadn't been in my New York's estate for a day before I was being tormented by a higher cost about my pending fate. I was to be gifted to a human. That didn't sound too bad. They could pick themselves up, after all. Then they started telling me about the horrible and weird and terrifying appetites the humans had, an insatiable itch to satisfy. How their sexual desires were so perverted that they had condemns for them. They tormented me to tears with most likely humiliations I'd be subjected to before finally dying. Things that I had never imagined... By my second night, I was tossed into the quarters that the visiting human would occupy for the duration of the negotiations, tossed in still in my sackcloth gown. My new lord hadn't bothered to improve my wardrobe. My lord wouldn't want to overgift overall and give the wrong impression during negotiations. I did what any sensible person would. I tried to hide in the corner. I fell asleep at some point because I woke up with a big silhouette stumbling into the room, saw it knock against the desk and promptly fall onto the bed, at least partially. The legs of the silhouette hung off the bed, feet sprawled across the floor. My upbringing dictated my actions as I scrambled to my feet and stood before the bed, just like I was supposed to. All low-born were supposed to stand and present themselves to the new landowner for inspection upon first meeting. I stood there, back straight as a rod, for five minutes before I realized he was asleep. I turned one on the softer lights, only to startle myself. He had a non-flesh arm. I'd heard about these, but never imagined I'd see one. Steering myself, as my curiosity overtook my fear, I climbed onto the bed and poked the arm several times. It was a terrifying amalgamation of metal and tubes, all somehow working together. Did my arm look similar under the flesh? Then he muttered something strange. I don't know what he said, but it sounded angry as he sat up and looked at me through squinted eyes. The torment that I had been subjected to came flooding back to me. I did the only thing my scared mind could think of. I bowed my head and asked if we were going to make pancakes. 
uttering one of those code words that I remembered. It's two in the morning and you want pancakes? He continued to squint at me, then had the weirdest expression cross his face before he laughed. Wreck-it, let's make pancakes. He crinkled his nose. After you take a bath, you smell like a barn. I'd never been more embarrassed in my life. That embarrassment was supplanted when I put on the clothes that he threw at me on the way to the washroom. The shirt was big enough for you almost be a gown, and the shorts were nearly too big to keep up despite drawstrings. I emerged, expecting him to be waiting, not making a racket in the small kitchen. It was about time I realized that he wasn't clumsy. He was drunk. He was drunk and having a grand time. It's Miss Pancakes, come on, you gotta learn how to make him. He said cheerfully as he poured himself more than filled the second glass on the cloudy bottle. That was my first experience with spiced rum. That was also my first experience with human culinary traditions and cooking methods. My new master had ingredients for five different kinds of pancakes and two different sweet syrups. In addition to pancakes, we baked cookies and brewed a drink called coffee. He also had three different kinds of rum because one highly alcoholic drink was not enough. The next morning I learned what a hangover was. He made me a hangover cure. But I'm pretty sure that cure was designed by a sober to torment the hungover. It woke me up, but it made me want to die even more. He then sent me to the main kitchens to fetch a specific list of things. And he refused to let me change either. That hurt my pride, but I did as my patron ordered. I was assailed by the kitchen staff and the servants, as I knew that I would be. I told them what I had done all night, which sent them into fits of laughter and smirky grins, if not outright blushing. They kept interrupting me before I could elaborate, and I wasn't in the mood to keep trying to correct them. I got the listed items and returned to my patron as fast as I could. It wasn't until I returned to his quarters and saw the smirk on his lips that his intent behind the errand dawned on me. I know the rumors your people have, he winked at me. The bastard pulled a prank at my expense. Don't look so wounded. Besides, you started at Miss 2am pancakes. I received a new cooking lesson every other day. My patron taught me how to season meat and vegetables prior to cooking, during cooking, and after cooking. I learned different methods for different cooking temperatures, even how to sear meat and use the burnt remnants of the sauces for the rest of the meal's ingredients. During one of the lessons, I asked him if it was tradition to have sexual partners learn to cook before performing the acts associated with them. My young bride took a heavy blow from his answer. He wasn't going to be taking his patron's prerogative with me because I was too young in his eyes. I wanted to bluster back that I was fifteen, fifteen, and that low-born were married and having kids around my age. But I didn't, because I knew better, and uh, in a way, it was a relief, even if I wouldn't admit it to myself at the time. The lessons continued for months, though they became less lessons and more supervised experimentation. He let me acquire any number of spices, herbs, vegetables, and meats to test my culinary chops on. He always ate my meals too, even if they were disgusting. I found that city for a noble to do, mostly because I wanted to throw out my portion rather than eat some of the disgusting amalgamations I created. Horrible accidents or not, he let me keep cooking and experimenting. 
As the negotiations came to a close, I expected to be packed off with my patron. I'd spent the day readying his things and was surprised when he returned early with the tablet in hand. I told him I couldn't read, but he said that it didn't matter because the text wasn't in my native language. He sat me down at a desk and put it in my earbuds and pressed a button on the tablet which caused it to highlight sentences as I read them in my language. He said he'd be back after finishing the closing ceremonies. Twenty minutes later, I was a sobbing mess. My patron wanted to adopt me. It wasn't uncommon for higher nobles and landowners to adopt lower nobles into their families if they performed well. Many used it as a reward for service and to guarantee continued loyalty. But lowborn were never adopted, ever. When my patron returned, I did something unbecoming of my position. I hugged him. I tried to explain myself, but... I don't think he understood anything through my crying. He just hugged me back and patted my head. When I calmed down, I asked him why. I wasn't prepared for the answer. We owls were the only ones who still had lowborn. Everyone else had abolished similar social contracts centuries ago. Because my patron was leaving, he either had to gift or sell me to another landowner, or I had to get departure papers. Since I couldn't read, lacked any formal education, and was a lowborn, I wasn't going to get Yalvin departure papers. But if he adopted me, I'd have no problem getting the necessary documents for the human authorities. He refused to take just me because slavery was heavily frowned upon in his culture and all the human cultures. The one thing that all humanity could agree upon was, uh, frick those guys in particular when it comes to slavers. I got the proper name too, Sequai Hermasweski. Learning to say my surname was the most challenging linguistic task that I'd ever faced. Learning the Esperanto dialect writing took even longer. I never understood his joke about the place Poland never making it into space, but my new surname was part of it. Somehow, every time I asked a human, they just laughed and nodded. That was okay. They still came to eat my cafe. More humans and other species than I imagined could exist in a universe as a child came to eat. No one could be unhappy when filled with delicious food, and the self-taught style my father had helped me develop appealed to everyone. He always had a reserved table at my cafe, and on the off chance that his scallywag ways brought him back to the central station, but they really did, which was okay too. He might have been an interstellar pirate and a scallywag, masquerading as a trade delegation to case potential targets, but he was a good person at heart. Deep down in his heart, in that sheltered part that he took pity on a wretch like me and taught me how to claim the stars of my own. End of story. Story number two. A brief list of things weapons engineer Ryla Volt is bad from doing. Written by Ardriel. Number one, no bear trap harpoons. The angry bear you just pulled towards yourself will be considered punishment. Number two, no bear traps on portable hand trebuchets. Nothing about this seems like a good idea. Number three, firecrackers that exceed 50 megatons are not allowed within 500 miles of a birthday party. Number four, but it's so colorful, is not a good reason to make confetti cannon that can rip through human flesh. Number five. No, your music isn't very good. No, using a bass cannon does not improve the situation. 
Number six. No amount of sprinkles makes a nuclear landmine acceptable. Number seven. Playing football with a nuclear football is not a sport. It is a national security risk. Number eight. Do not weaponize bees. Number nine. No, adding more bees does not make the situation any better. Number ten. A normal harpoon is actually a reasonable idea. Attaching a portable singularity that spits out hundreds of pounds of bees is not. Number 11. Any staff member who sees your Dr. Bee's costume are instructed to burn it on sight. Number 12. No tricking children into thinking that they're a bee whisperer. That's not okay. Number 13. After constructing the suit of armor out of human sternums, you are now required to attend weekly counseling. Why do you even have a sternum collection? Number 14. After spending $240,000 removing virgin venom from the psychiatric clinic, you are now banned from therapy. I don't want to know. Number 15. The words, I must wield a chainsaw harpoon, have been removed from your bucket list. All 28 entries. Number 16. You cannot get conceal and carry permit for an anti-air cannon. I don't even want to think of the logistics of putting this into your pocket. Number 17. Freket. Anything with harpoon in the title is banned. There is no reasonable amount of harpoon grenades. Number 18. Ryla is no longer permitted to turn stone from national monuments into bunkers. You do not need to feel history get pummeled beneath your tank trebuchet. Number 19. You are no longer permitted to use advertising to put the phrase sternum-seeking assault kittens into the public lexicon. Seriously, what is your obsession with sternums? Number 20. You do not need a shoulder-mounted death laser, P-vision, an 11-meter death spike, or any other weapon installed as implants. Number 21. A gun that shoots smaller guns is not a good idea. Making them self-replicate like an infinite American nesting doll is not an improvement. Number 22. Cards Against Humanity is a game, not a weapon concept generator. End of list. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.